Hello, weird internet friend. I want to share a very cozy and inspiring story with you. There once was a man who was known as Mr. Dumpling. Mr. Dumpling immigrated all the way over from former Czechoslovakia, where he trained as a German sausage maker. Eventually, over time, he opened a butcher shop of his own. Eager to keep their culture alive and not wanting anyone to miss out on some good gravy, Mrs. Dumpling insisted they include traditional Czechoslovakian bread dumplings with every roast they sold. The dumplings were a hit. They became so popular that Mr. Dumpling himself began selling them out of a red wagon throughout the city. And that is how our favorite dumpling house, Chateau Dumpling, started back in the mid-1900s right here in Chicago. Chateau Dumplings are so good. We are in love with them and always have been. Since they're basically a delicious gravy sponge, they make for the perfect accompaniment for meats and stews. No gravy shall be left behind. They also make for the tastiest of holiday stuffing as they're perfectly moist, never soggy, and always extra cozy. Chateau dumplings are local to Chicago grocers like Jewel and Mariano's, but to shop online and peruse recipes, please head to www.chateaufoods.com. Hi there. Welcome to our podcast, Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project. My name is Michelle. And my name is Lauren, and we are your hosts. Hey, host. Hey, host. <laughs> this is our version of a radio talk show, and every week you can join us for a sisterly chat where we talk about literally everything. We're going to tackle current events, what's going on in the world around us. We'll share some personal insight and stories, and of course, share random bits of things we think you should know along with whatever else sisters talk about. There's a lot. So mm -hmm. if you're into easy listening, lots of laughing and some inspiration sprinkled throughout, we are going to be fast, weird internet friends. Welcome. Well, hello there and welcome to Cozy Conversations with the Sister Project Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Massarella, being joined by my co-host and my sister, Michelle Anderson. Hello. Hello. Oh, wow. Wow, you guys, we just wrapped up an incredible conversation with Shrankla Halachek, who is the founder of Uma Oils. And Uma Oils is an Ayurvedic skincare line. And you know, Michelle, I know you were a little newer to the concept of Ayurveda. Baby, baby yeah. to the concept. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are. So the good news is you're going to learn so much about this like ancient Indian way of taking taking care, good care of mind, body, skin, mm -hmm. inside body, outside body, all of it with this way of life called yeah. Ayurveda. You know, I learned a little bit about Ayurveda throughout being a yoga teacher. I've always been very intrigued by it. As and you and I run on the same alignment that you know what you put in and on your body matters. Yep, it can absolutely. hurt you or it can help you. Yeah. And so Shrankla was kind enough to sit down with us and break down Ayurveda, break down why it's so important, what you do put in and on your skin, um, it matters. And she shared with us some really enlightening ways on how you can actually implement Ayurveda into your everyday life. Right now. It's so accessible. Uh -huh. So accessible. So we're super excited to share this stunning conversation with, with you all. We were so thrilled to have Shrankla on. We felt such a connection when we wrapped things up with her. So lovely. Yeah, and we really look forward to having her join us again soon. We really think you are going to love Shrankla and her messages. And when you get a chance to, when you try Uma Oils, I, we firmly we, we believe that you will, will love her products as well. If you want to learn more about Shrankla and what she is doing at Uma, you can visit www.umaoils.com. And do give them a follow over at Uma Oils on Instagram. We'll have everything in our show notes so you can peruse from there. And while you're on Instagram, please do us a favor and follow us at The Sister Proj as well as at Cozy Convos with TSP. All right, ladies and gentlemen who are joining us, sit back, relax, and enjoy the stunning conversation with Shrankla. Okay, let me just open up my doc. I would, Michelle and I, we did our dosha quiz. I had to pull mine up too. And I think we're both pitta. Am I saying that right? I would have pitta. guessed that. Pitta, yes. Pitta. Why I'm would you? Vata. You're, oh, you're vata. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So, so one yeah. of the qualities of pitta can be eloquence. Uh, a lot of pitta's 
speak in a certain sense with authority they are cogent they uh, are often politicians in fact when we do vata pitta kapha types uh, we think about uh, which dosha makes for uh, what kind of professional fields in fact uh, vatas tend to be very creative so are dominant in the arts and pitas often <laughs> are <laughs> ambitious and well spoken and make for things like pol- politics and mm-hmm. kaphas tend to have uh, personalities that in the world we live in are often thought of as leadership personalities you know mm. they're tall well built and measured in speech don't fly off the handle easily so a lot of ceos and uh, uh kafas do end up accumulating more wealth in part because of their personality traits so oh, damn it. that's I why i was that one <laughs> and i was I was actually really happy with my dosha i'm happy with mine <laughs> i learned mine a long time ago a friend of mine studies and is a, is a teacher of ayurveda and she has since moved to Colorado. So we have lost touch just in regards to being together often to be able to talk about it more often. But I learned back then I was a Pitta. But I'm curious, how does Ayurveda and the doshas intertwine? Do we use Ayurveda to personalize each dosha when it comes to body and food? So Ayurveda is actually the mothership of the doshas. The concept of the doshas comes from Ayurveda. And when the scriptures were written up, going back to about 5,000 years ago. And I should, in the spirit of being pedantic, not say written up because they were written up about 1,500 to 1,800 years ago by Sushruta, Mm -hmm. among other people. Before that, it was primarily an oral science passed down from practitioner to practitioner, family member to family member. But Ayurveda is the scripture that uh, tells us about the human body and our understanding of the human body, of which doshas are a very strong and important part in terms of a constitution. Mm. Ayurveda believes that everyone at inception or conception, literally the minute you become an embryo, are basically born with a dosha. And no dosha is good or bad. It just is what it is. Like uh, a Myers-Briggs type. And it is about knowing and understanding yourself and navigating life. And with life, I mean everything in it, your diet, your meditation, your yoga, your activity, how you react to the cold, the warmth, the whole gamut of Mm -hmm. things. And tailoring that with the mindfulness of your primary dosha is basically how Ayurveda recommends you live life in order to be able to thrive. And uh, I know I threw in some dense concepts in there, but Ayurveda, while very, very simple and straightforward, also has the beauty to be very, very nuanced, deep, and layered. So I'll try to straddle a balance. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What dosha are you? I am predominantly pitta and when i am in balance um it serves me well but another nuance i should throw in is even though we all have a dominant dosha we are all born with all the three doshas Mm. in us and what that means is while the likelihood of your imbalance is highest in your predominant dosha because you have the most of it, you can become imbalanced in one of the other two as well. So for the last few years, I have experienced some imbalance, perceptibly so, in both my kapha dosha and my vata dosha. And it's it's apparent to me. So sometimes uh, I may show signs of uh, kapha, which are sort of my vikruti, which is a disturbed dosha, sometimes just because life can throw things at you that can mm-hmm. disturb other doshas within you. So uh, yes, I, I, am, I believe that my birth dosha is pitta. That is also often the one I go out of in, 
balance in you know the heaty rashes and the and the things we talked about that just earlier that often is a pitta imbalance in the skin and vatas tend to have more sort of dryness and dryness related ailments with the skin and kaphas will have you know typically oilier skin clogged pores things like that but that doesn't mean all of us can't experience all these right. other things so it's fascinating it is so fascinating michelle and i are really into this whole like where can we find out more about ourselves and who we are as humans based on things like doshas or even astrology mm-hmm. or we're speaking with someone tomorrow about human design so this is this gives us just another level of understanding who we are as people and we're excited to have you on because as i mentioned earlier i i i only know a little bit about ayurveda michelle this is a newer concept to, to it's, you it's totally totally new. New. i've always heard the word i had the most probably basic understanding of what it was, but in the last couple of days, just getting to know what you do and what this is, it's mind-blowing, but makes so much sense as to why this philosophy, when you apply it to yourself, helps like establish balance. Mm-hmm. And, and if I may, uh, that is the beauty and profoundness of Ayurveda that while many people, when they first interact with it, go, oh, what is this word? But as you develop a relationship with Ayurveda, big or small, how intuitive it feels and how it encourages you and and almost it's a self um, or it's a 360 circle of knowing yourself, which at the end of the day is such an intuitive prerogative for each one of us as a human being, makes it such an easy science to be on board with and relate to that uh, that it's it's something that, you know, on day one, you'll feel like you've known this life science forever. And mm-hmm. I think there's a beautiful sense of familiarity, even when you approach it as, uh, as a new inductee to it. And that is a great segue because, well, let's start first with, I want to ask how can people, everyday people just apply or um, integrate Ayurveda into their lifestyle, but can we first dive into exactly what Ayurveda is so that our listeners have just a little bit better understanding on where it comes from. You mentioned the scriptures. So anywhere you think that we should pick up from there, we are all ears. Um, Certainly. Uh, And perhaps, you know, maybe a 60 second overview of uh, the academic perspective of Ayurveda, which is, it's a science of medicine and life health, well-being that started in India about 5,000 years ago. We Mm. say about because that's when we sort of trace back based on other scriptures that were written where we find instances of Ayurveda appearing. It was codified into written literature about 1,500 to 1,700 years ago Mm. by two sages, one of them being Sushruta. And that is how we've come to know and practice it today. Mm. Now, what that practically means is, is it's as much medicine as it is lifestyle and almost a sense of rituals when practicing health and lifestyle as it comes to a lot of Indians. So it is about scraping your tongue when you wake up and being a little bit mindful. Many Indians might refer to that as a small prayer and about moderating what you eat, leaving out certain things, uh, adding certain things. So it gives you a plethora of guidance Mm -hmm. on every aspect of your life to A, fight imbalance, because Ayurveda believes that all disease emanates from imbalance, and B, to live the richest, best, healthiest life you can live. So simply put, it's uh, it's a code of life, and that's the w- what the word means. Ayurveda, science of life. That was a fa- that was a very thorough and easy to understand definition and explanation of Ayurveda. 
And when you put it into context where you can apply it, whether it's the, by the food you eat, the way you use your skincare, the way you take care of your skin. So both outer and inner physical, but also your mind. And you bring up mindfulness or like a prayer that you said that many Indians might relate to is that's how they find their mindfulness. In one of the conversations I heard you speaking with on another episode, you talked a lot about meditation, which is something that Michelle and I try to practice a lot as often as possible. It's a daily thing for us. You know, some days we do better than others. Um, But can you go into a little bit more about the practice of mindfulness and Ayurveda? It's a lot to go into (laughs) is what I will preface it with. And uh, also another thing that I should come out clean about is Traditionally, I have struggled a lot with meditation. You know, there Mm -hmm. is the individual that can slip into it and uh, be both mindful on a daily basis and meditate more easily. And it is, it has been an area of challenge for me, but bringing it back to Ayurveda, a lot of modern mindfulness as well as meditation principles in fact come all from ayurveda Um, a comment about buddhism is that uh, lord buddha was uh, hindu born hindu which is sort of the emanation of ayurvedic uh, scriptures and a lot of um, religion can be cultural many of us don't realize that so practices that uh, our cultural make their way into how we try to form uh, medicine or how we try to think about uh, a lifestyle that that enables us to thrive. But coming back to a lot of mindfulness principles actually do come from uh, what started in India hundreds and thousands of years ago. And there are various ways you can practice it. The way I think about um, uh, three or four key disciplines about uh, meditation and two which, which I do practice, the first one is breathing meditation, which mm-hmm. is the idea of pranayam. Pranayam is prana is the air around you and the energy around you and how you interact with the world is a lot through your breath. And that is an area I like to throw out first and foremost, because even with the person that is most challenged by meditation, it's a great place to go to, Mm. to first bring mindfulness and balance to your life. Ayurveda offers beautiful and easy to follow cues via uh, pranayam, such as uh, pastrika, energy cleansing breaths, shitali, which is great for pitta types and imbalance. Uh, and I'm not going to, you know, explain each one of these because mm-hmm. they're literally one Google search away, um, alternate nostril breathing. Mm-hmm. All of these are wonderful ways to bring your dosha into balance. So that is breathing meditation. Then there is Vedic meditation. This is another type of meditation that I find easier to practice because it is mantra based. And interestingly, uh, Transcendental meditation is things that you'll hear people like Jerry Seinfeld or Howard Stern. And, you know, I'm going with the Kobe Enthusiasm family here. So you, <laughs> Larry David, you yeah. know, there's an episode about where he gives his mantra uh, to Richard Lewis. But they are very, very powerful because they work off of the concept of uh how sounds create a resonance in the universe and goes to sort of beating with that frequency really allows you to bring your mind into balance. And I have found it easier than many meditation sects because it allows you and believes in that chanting your mantra and just coming back to it in and of itself is a very profound and powerful practice. Yes, the ask is a lot. True transcendental meditation people practice 20 minutes Mm-hmm. two times a day, I do it when I can. Sometimes it's five minutes on a flight or seven minutes in an Uber or whenever I can, mm-hmm. but that's a second round. And then third is um, what I think is, um, I would say 
uh, sort of the next level meditation, which allows you to meditate each and every moment of your day, which is mindfulness mm. and practicing that. And uh, a lot of uh, meditations that are guided meditations and um you know, the, the best authors that talk about meditation are sort of in the third camp, which are a lot of uh, also Buddhist uh, meditation practices come from uh, come from there. You know, you hear about monks and all all of those, one of them, half of any of them, I believe, are great ways to tap into becoming the person you are. And I think that uh, feeling frustrated if you can't do all of them is normal, but Ayurveda preaches balance above all things. And finding what might work for you is a great, great, great place to start. Beautiful. And I love how you mentioned how she mentioned um, bringing in mindfulness at any Mm. realm of the day. So are you meaning like while you're cooking, while you're experiencing something, while you're having a conversation, really investing mindfully in the, in these moments? It goes back into layers of things. One of the most striking things I found about um, cultures in the United States and when I first moved here is, uh, is the frictional relationship people have with emotions. Mm whether it is in the workplace and expressing of emotions. You know, I moved here about 14, 15 years ago, and fortunately things are changing a little bit, but emotions were such so stigmatic to express in the workplace. You know, if a woman cried, God forbid, oh, all oh, of us oh, thought oh, about oh, that. Michelle's had that kind of issue oh, yes. in her, her past life oh, at yes. work. Uh, it it, no it was allowed. so, it, and what, why is something that is so intuitive being uh, mm. stripped from us so violently in, uh, in a workplace or even in familial relationships? I mean, this is something that uh, is uh, very interesting about how I interact with my parents versus how my husband American born and raised in practice with his parents sort of everything is great on a surface level and there are no raised voices or anguish expressed etc versus my relationship with my family and friends can often be like out of Vicky Krista you know Krista Barcelona where like people are screaming and it's (laughs) but that is the power of First and foremost, acknowledging emotions, which Mm. I too have found over time in the United States. I have learned maybe or been tempted to bury them, but mindfulness comes from acknowledging what you are feeling. It Mm. doesn't mean you have to respond to it or fly off the handle like I do, but not allowing yourself to experiencing what you are experiencing is the first flight away from mindfulness. When Mm. you're feeling angry, when you're feeling upset and trying to think about something else so that tears don't well up in your eyes, what are you doing? You're escaping. You're Mm -hmm. being less mindful. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to literally acknowledging and releasing our feelings, and I bring it back to Ayurveda because repression is the first creator of toxins in the body. Food and emotional repression are the two most important things to watch when you're thinking about detox and uh, and disease. Mm-hmm. All and that's where they start. So, in a long-winded way, first to be mindful, you have to be real about how you feel and be willing to come face to face with it every minute of every day. Wow, that was mind, mind blowing. Yeah, so thank you for joining us here at Cozy Combos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that was really fascinating the way you put that into perspective. Michelle, you feel like I feel heard and yeah. it makes sense why would we when you said the part about, you know, being kind of taught to suppress 
the things that are so intuitive in us that's so painful, you mm-hmm. know, when you're feeling a certain way and you feel like you can't bring that stuff to the surface, that hurts more than the feeling, actually. So I, yeah, I just, I love this. Hey, Michelle, you want to know what my favorite functional accessory is? I already know. It's that Marlowe and Olive Turkish towel of yours. I'm pretty obsessed with mine, too. What do they call it? A pestamel? That's right, a pestamel, because it is so much more than just a towel. I am totally obsessed with them. I always travel with one because they have so many uses. I use it for a blanket, a wrap, a bathing suit cover-up. Plus, there's always one in my car because every car needs a blanket, just in case. Now that's good thinking. I'm loving their hair towels. They're so much better for your hair, super absorbent, and I honestly feel like it makes my hair less frizzy. The pestamels are so soft and cozy. I love the idea of having a basket of them and bringing them outside to wrap ourselves with when sitting around the bonfire. And of course, I love snuggling up with one while reading my favorite book. Oh, that sounds nice. And honestly, Lauren, every human on planet Earth should have a pestamel. They are so versatile. They come in a variety of patterns and sizes. Marlo and Olive will even add fleece to any pestamel to make them even more cozy. They can also custom embroider any item. These Turkish treasures make for such great gifts for everyone, from babies to bridesmaids to grandmas. So this holiday season, shop local, shop small, shop women-owned businesses. Shop Marlowe and Olive at www.marloweandolive.com. Oh, and for all of our Cozy Convo listeners, use our code COZYLIFE to get 15% off of your very first purchase. Love it. I would love to start navigating towards Ayurveda and mindfulness in skincare because obviously this is how we met through your beautiful line of Ayurvedic skincare and just knowing that so much passion and education and history. history. Wow. wow. Good job. <laughs> history. Sister into it. And, and your, your background and your lifestyle and culture and family go into not only Ayurveda, but in Uma. And we would love to hear, you know, first, I think it'd be so interesting to hear about the farmland where your products, um, the ingredients are based from. Can we dive a little bit into that to start kicking off about Uma? Certainly. And the farms that we farm on and have done so for generations are primarily located in the central part of India in a state called Chhattisgarh, which is uh, temperate and moderate by Indian standards. And when I say Indian standards, yes, temperatures go up to 100, 105 Fahrenheit, but by wow. Indian standards, that's still 10, that 15 cool degrees. <laughs> to walk in the park. Cooler, cooler than, you know, like, Delhi. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, northern India can get very, very uh, dry. And yes, they go up to 115, 120. Mm. And uh, Plants will not survive in that in that climate, but they do fine in the 100, 105. And over the years um, or over the centuries, uh, we decided to consolidate more of the farming around there. We still have some farms that are in the northern parts of the country because uh, stuff like saffron or even some types of roses will mm. not grow in... Uh, you know, more south of the Himalayas, but uh, most of our farming is done in Chhattisgarh and it is beautiful for also the versatility of the soil, such as vetiver will require more water-rich soil. So, you know, you have this like three foot long grass growing over a 70 acre farm and it does require more water and uh, a certain kind of soil and over the years we've come up with uh, interesting indigenous ways such as sort of just uh, creating uh, mounds of land around uh, around natural dips to store rainwater that serves us throughout the year to to minimize our dependence on artificial irrigation, things such as that. Mm. So yes, we are farming in total about 500 uh, acres, about 70 to 100 of it gets used for Uma products because my family also farms essential oils that in their pure form, not in formulas, but you know, a drum of eucalyptus or... uh, 
a canister of rose oil or jasmine or um, uh, cypriol, things like that are uh, sold to fragrance houses, food houses, uh, mm. etc. across the world. Did I hear correctly that in your lineage or history that your farm, your, your family's farm used to be farmed for royalty? In fact, that's how it all started. While most of uh, traditional farming, you would expect people were growing rice, uh, wheat, crops people eat, because we were medicine people and uh, growing medicinals to either adaptogenics like mm. ashwagandha or brahmi or shatavari or... Um, sandalwood that would go into either a face mask for a princess or a sleeping elixir for someone who doesn't sleep well or is given to a fiery temperament sandalwood oil is is cooling by nature so i highly recommend it to pitta types uh, and so we were always as medicine people farming a completely different set of botanicals than the traditional farmer and about 75 years ago india got its independence and about that was around the time that uh, Indian-based essential oils started becoming popular in the West, especially in Europe, where traditional smells like jasmine start to become revered. And that's when my family sort of started to quote-unquote pivot to essential oil manufacturing, mm. because essential oils require very, very large quantities of crop to go into a very, very small yeah amount of essential oil and that's how it all started so yes that's why we farm these off the beaten path botanicals which are beautiful because we've tried the uma products yes. and the smell that comes from it's the anti-aging oil i think it's juniper berry and frankincense oh, you're you know, totally right right it's beautiful and what I love about the that oil in particular is the long-lasting nourishing effects. It doesn't stop the minute you put it on and an hour later, your skin glows for the rest of the day sure. into the evening. Um, in one of your conversations that I listened in on, you mentioned, because I found this to be very interesting, the color of your oils have a beautiful, is it like a yellowish? What color? Golden. Like a gold. Oh, I like that. Golden. Where does the color derive from? Uh, in a lot of the cases, you will find that the strongest color will express itself in the blend. And by that, I mean uh, in, uh, in the blends, like the absolute anti-aging blend, what you typically end up seeing is the color of the pomegranate, which the organic pomegranate, which is the wow. carrier. Mm. And a lot of the oils used in it are by and large colorless. Rose sometimes will extract yellow. So what you're seeing is the color of the rose and the pomegranate. But if you were to pick up something like uh, a pure bliss or a pure calm wellness oil, you'll mm -hmm. see it's green or brown and it's getting its color from the vetiver or the chamomile, which is this vibrant green because of the azulene content in it. Uh, so it varies. And what's very interesting is also that it varies from harvest to harvest. So you can get like a clear anti-aging as well as you can get a yellow and a, or a golden anti-aging and it throws people off that are very used to sort of lab-prepared botanicals because right. you have such control on it. But guess what? You really don't control Mother Nature. And based on the rainfall, based on the soil, based on the sunshine, just like wine expresses itself differently, our botanicals harvest completely differently every year. That's what mm. I love about yeah, natural products. Yes, exactly. Is that you see how nature has played a role in the production of it from the soil to the bottle and when you start to think about it i think about it as a 360 the world is whole like the profound connection we have with the universe when we set our toes in the sand or a mm. piece of grass and the wind and ayurveda just believes that Everything in the universe is made of those five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. 
you, me, um, a bird, the leaves, and which is why the interplay between each one of us is so important because every day in our small, big, magnificent way, we are trying to keep the universe in balance and in turn keep our bodies in balance. And that is why interconnectivity between not just us humans and how we interact with each other, but also how we interact with nature mm -hmm. around us is going to be the thing keeping the universe in balance. Shrankla, how does Ayurveda and skincare come together? Can we talk a little bit about the ingredients that you are getting from India in, on your farm and then making the products that you are making? How does that influence the skin and the reaction to it between the plants and whatnot? Of course. And um, I'll start with a not so pleasant fact about the lives we lead with no judgment it just is the life we lead is that we're fundamentally every day putting ourselves in states of imbalance by mm -hmm. pretty much everything we do um, the air around us unfortunately has become polluted to the point that stepping out imbalances natural balances um light from computer screens, uh, interactions we have with work, uh, and sometimes the late nights, sometimes mm -hmm. the forgetting to drink water. All of these things, the life we live in, basically imbalances us every moment of every day. I, literally from the moment we wake up, because if you think about it, there's many of us, and I have to work really hard on it, and not even looking at the phone being the first thing. So it's usually from the beginning, like you said, or stepping outside for your walk, you're already kind of throwing that imbalance into your system. Indeed. And um, if those imbalances didn't exist, chances are going to be that you would not need skincare products because mm -hmm. your body would find its way back to balance because it is a very, very sophisticated piece of, you know, the most advanced piece of anything in the universe. Mm -hmm. But it's basically the imbalances that we must go through in the living of the life that often makes skincare relevant and important to help the skin come back into balance. And that is how the ingredients in Uma basically work to superpower your own regenerative mm -hmm. processes because no synthetic ingredient will be more sophisticated than what your body can do. And that's how Uma works. So something like sandalwood oil helps your body uh, come back into balance when it's pitta might be out of balance. And pitta mm. out of balance might express itself into red, rashy, angrier skin behavior. Vata out of balance expresses itself in things such as excessive dryness. Um, little Q, as we grow older, Vata increases in all of us. That is why 70-year-olds sleep lesser than you know 20 year olds that is why they are often uh thinner and frailer than 20 year olds because vata is increasing in the body and guess what skin becomes drier as mm -hmm. we age uh lipid barrier is thinned and that's why you also see things like uh wrinkles, fine lines, collagen loss. Mm -hmm. um, oils like pomegranate help bring that into balance and superpower your longevity cycle. Uh, you think about rose. In our work, it's like a natural hyaluronic acid. It helps your body and your skin retain more of its own moisture. Um, frankincense is like a, a fantastic natural retinol, which superpowers hmm. your skin's turnover processes. So that basically what each ingredient in Uma is doing is charging your body to better respond with healing processes that keep it fit and fighting. And it's just a little way that Uma brings balance into your skin and into your life. I feel like I see and feel the balance on my skin. 100%. Yeah. My my skin, before I was telling, before I had this conversation, before we pressed record, 
my skin was so out of balance. It was, I was, I was trying different things. People were sending products. And I mean, I had a, I hadn't had that bad of a breakout since I was a teenager really. And I, I had to stop it. And then you're, you came into our life and <laughs> I started implementing your beautiful clean product and overnight. I mean, really, I, I really committed every single day to doing, applying that to my practice. And I mean, people are coming up to me and saying, and oh, looks- OMG, your skin. I'm like, well, you should have seen me three, four months ago. It's glowing. And just to call it out, it is your body's doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that is the thing that we have to thank our bodies for, mm-hmm. that they, they work the magic. Other things just provide a little bit of a helping hand. Speaking of a helping hand, in regards to your UMA products, what is the carrier oil for, say, something like the Absolute Anti-Aging Oil that gets mixed it's with the frankincense? Oh, so it, that's the main. That's the main oil. Yes, pomegranate wow. is a, a sublime oil, and it is absolutely one of the best research products for anti-aging. It has something called punisic, punisic acid, which is very, very collagen boosting in the skin. Lots of vitamins, oh. A, K, D, and E. The reason why you don't find it everywhere is it is a very expensive product to harvest. Okay. And I bet that if it was less expensive, you would see it everywhere because it's practically magical. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Along with the Uma skincare and product line, what other things, so you just mentioned, you know, it's our body that is working in unison with the products that we're using and the other lifestyle choices we're making. In regards to face care, what can we do to help like amp up the collagen or the anti-aging benefits of different massages or gua sha or any- Facial massage, did you say that? Yeah, facial massage, any suggestions there to use in conjunction with Uma? So I love all of the above, more okay. than more than just the practice of basically massaging your face, which gets a lot of detox processes going, as well as the tiny beating, for lack of a better word, that your skin is receiving through the massage actually helps it build underneath. It is a very profound mindfulness technique mm-hmm. in my mind that... For a lot of people who will not be able to spend the three minutes a day being mindful, the fact that we're all hardwired to put something on our face at this point, use that one minute to give yourself a little bit of a massage and connect with your body. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry? Are you Mm. anxious? Mm. And I think that is what takes the gua sha, the facial massage process, sort of to the next level because you're also working on the inside when you're doing that right within ayurveda there are facial marma points again i'm not because it's a quick we'll google, google it <laughs> well, these are the yes. same points that are in your hands and yes feet? so there's 107 of okay them okay oh. and they uh In fact, when you go to a really good Ayurvedic practitioner and they're doing a marma point stimulation, you will smell like almost very bad smells coming out of your body. Because where are those coming out of your pores? Yeah, where are they coming from? It is the toxins stored up all over your body and stimulating marma points, which are these vital, vital points in the body. Some are great and can be played with like sort of the stuff on the face and some should only be touched by very very um sophisticated ayurvedic practitioners including one in the belly button around there is our belly buttons tend to be a very very sensitive area of the body so you know they they run the gamut of yay we can you know massage versus don't punch yourself in the stomach (laughs) <laughs> to try and reach that uh, that marma point but it's it's amazing to see that you're actually smelling foul smells in your environment when someone is doing a marma point massage mm-hmm. because your body is actually releasing through stimulation so look up marma points for the face and if you can throw that in there with your facial massage and uh-huh. you'll see that it's that much more magnified 
before we kind of close things up, and I have a feeling you'll be hopefully joining us again because we are we just kind of hit the scrape the, the surface, li- right? Holy I mean, cow. it's like the tip of the iceberg is what we have accomplished with you so far today. But I think for our listeners, it's so important to realize that even though you're not, if you're not an expert in Ayurveda, you can still integrate it into your day somehow. And even if you're just starting to learn about Ayurveda, and we know that there are so many benefits in finding balance in the body and mind. Besides the mindfulness and some of the face um, massage and taking that minute for mindfulness, do you have any suggestions for people who are really intrigued by this that they can start implementing tomorrow morning when they wake up? Yes. And I I like to start this off with something called a daily detox. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there are three to five practices that everyone can and should throw into. Uh, First, I love tongue um, tongue scraping. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a three, four dollar tongue scraper on Amazon. And tongue scraping is vital, not only because your tongue is hotbed of bacteria and not, not scraping it means that it remains there, but also a coated tongue does not taste food as properly. Oh. Tasting food is critical for your body's enzymes and proper rasayana, which is nourishment mm-hmm. to work and give your body mental cues or brain cues when it should stop eating, what it should eat, when it needs more spice, when it needs more sweet. So yes, start with the tongue scraper. If you can, warm water with lemon is a fantastic Mm. detox tool first thing in the morning. If you have problems with regularity, Mm -hmm. I love a little thing called Trifla. It is a a supplement made of three uh, things, Amalaki, Bibitaki, and Haritaki in Ayurveda. If you want to go one step further with the lemon water cleanse, try Trifla in the ba- in the morning. Go ahead. How do you spell that? T-R-I-P-H-A-L-A. And Trifla, first thing you'll notice is you're going to the bathroom a little bit more while it brings you back into ba- balance, but it's not like a laxative. You know, consider bringing that in. Number four, love the idea of dry brushing and a self-massage before, before, taking your shower. If you can spare the two and a half minutes, do a quick uh, dry uh, brush and then give yourself a nice massage with like whatever you find in your house. Grapeseed. Ghee is great if you're not vegan. Ghee? Ghee, yes. Clarified butter. Clarified butter, okay. Yes. Um, uh, Try doing that. Uh, And then I think about, you know, you get these Eight minutes in the morning dedicated mm. to self-care, you know, oil pulling. If you can find some coconut oh, oil oh. or sesame oil, just throw that in there. If you can't find the time, just do it while you're showering. Just don't spit it out into your drain because oil will coagulate. Always ah. spit out um, oil pulling oil into a trash can, oh, not sure. into a drain. But, you know, do it while you are making breakfast or putting sure. coffee on, etc. So that's your morning. And then at night, I recommend two or three other things. Navel oiling. You can do it with ghee. You can do it with grapeseed oil. You can do it with mustard oil. Drop in a couple of drops of oil into your belly button and cover it up with maybe a little bit of cotton if you wear nice night clothes so that it doesn't go on. Rub your feet with oil at night. And I also, you know, this is the perfect time to throw in the gua sha's. I have a little mason Mm -hmm. jar, a covered mason jar with all sorts of tools that I like at night while I'm, you know, my husband thinks it's a bit weird, but I'll just get <laughs> into it, you know, because sometimes Love we don't that. find five minutes in the day, but just cover, keep it covered, keep it clean and do these three or four things at night. And I think even those seven to 10 minutes that you change your life. I love these recommendations so, so much because exactly so doable. You could, I mean, especially just if you're going to kick it off with just the lemon water to start things up. And then once you start feeling how good that feels to have that ritual, that routine to keep moving and add those other suggestions on top of that, we're going to have to have you back strong club because we are dying to talk more about the oil pulling. I know Uma has an oil pulling oil. And then everything else that I, we I want can... to talk about the connection with Ayurvedic to nature and how we can implement implement that into our exercise as the seasons change. There's so much. I want to talk about Ayurveda and fertility. If that's something that you are able to talk about on, 
Absolutely. And one thing I'll throw out is Shatavari is a great, great, great. Uh, uh, every time I've struggled even with getting like my periods on time, getting back on Shatavari really, really helps. It's, you know, buy a good herb. And even though we, we don't make one, but I'm just saying that even though we do have a product line, everything that we have talked about today is available at minimal cost in your pantry. Wow. You know, yep. like you can charge to do the luxe aspect of something, or mm -hmm. you can just pick stuff from your pantry and start today because you will see oh. products are an indulgence. You know, mm -hmm. to me, it's so like true. a great glass of wine that you reward yourself with, but that doesn't mean you don't self-care mm. with whatever is available. Right. I love the way you put that. Wow. What a great way to end it on. You can do self-care straight out of your pantry. Shankla, thank you so freaking much for... <laughs> coming and chatting with Michelle and I, we love that you married a man from Chicago. So we do hope <laughs> that next time you fly through the Midwest, we'll hang, you, we'll hang out and talk more, have a glass I'd of wine. I'd like nothing more. Amazing. We are so excited to share this conversation with our listeners because we know that they're seeking this kind I mean, especially post pandemic and what our world went through. We're, we all really experienced that sense of shakeup and imbalance. And I think this is a perfect way to kind of allow people to look a little deeper into ways that they can find balance within themselves and their home and their bathrooms. Thank you so much. And their kitchens. Gosh, anywhere. <laughs> it's all right here. Right here. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. So nice to meet you. It was just great. Such a wealth of information. So lovely talking to you. And I can't wait to talk to you more. You both have a lovely day. Oh, holy cow, Michelle. Christmas is right around the corner. It's time to start shopping. It sure is time. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking for the type of shop where I can find both the outfit and the gift. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. We're too busy to be going from store to store around here. But lucky for us, our favorite boutique is right down the block, Vintage Charm. Oh, talk about reducing some of the seasonal stress. You know, I hear that. And beyond the convenience factor, Vintage Charm is one of the cutest curated stores ever. It's so festive and their inventory is endless. I'm obsessed with their velvet knotted headbands and their holiday platters. Such cute gifts, but at the same time, I want it all for myself. Same. I worship their dresses and so does everyone else every time I wear one. Whether you live three blocks away like myself or clear across the country, you can totally shop online or in the store. Yes, and be sure to use our code, the Sister Project 15 for 15% off of your entire online or in-store purchase. This code is good for one purchase until December 31st, so be sure to get your gifts and holiday outfits taken care of all at once. You'll be happy you did, and so will your to-do list. And remember, when you shop at Vintage Charm, you're supporting a small, local, woman-owned and run business. Mm, happy holidays! Thank you for joining us for today's cozy conversation. For more of The Sister Project, check us out on Instagram at The Sister Proj and our website, www.thesisterprojectblog.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and maybe even drop us a review. Until next time, stay cozy. Stay cozy.